Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about rogues. Rogues are typically depicted in Dungeons and Dragons as the sneaky guys. They are the ones who lurk in the shadows and are the assassins of the world. And they are that. And they're really, really good at that. Whether that is all that a rogue can be, though, no. They are actually a bit more versatile than most give them credit for, as is the case for all classes, as you've probably realized by now through this series. However, they do have the image that they do for a reason, which is they're really, really good at whatever they choose to be good at. So whether you want to have rogues in your world always be those kinds of sneaky scumbags or whether you want to let them be more than that is very much up to you. So I'm going to go ahead and do the usual go through of the various abilities the rogue has and I do want to also dedicate a little bit of time at the end talking about once we know those abilities how they can otherwise also be used in the world because they do have more options available to them than most know about. So that being said here we go. So rogues are a dexterity based class that have the skill for range or melee abilities. So they have a d8 as their hit die, so same as a cleric or a warlock, so in the middle, not particularly squishy or particularly tanky, which fits because they are only proficient in light armor as well, so they're made to not necessarily be a frontline combatant. Uh, Their choice of weapons is a little bit odd. Instead of having just simple ones or all weapons, They can use simple weapons, but they also do get access to hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords. The latter two are arguably the most important. Uh, Also, all rogues do automatically get proficiency in thieves' tools, which also doesn't help with their reputation of being up to no good. Uh, They do also have dexterity and intelligence as their two saving throws, Again, dexterity being the one of the most common ones when it comes to magic use does make that pretty good. So part of what makes a rogue so skilled as a character is an ability they have called expertise. So we've talked before about how skills usually add some ability modifier and your proficiency bonus. However, uh, in Bard, we talked a little bit about expertise and how it's the ability to double your proficiency bonus to certain skills that you pick. Bards get that a little bit later on in life. Rogues get it at level one. Immediately, rogues get access to expertise on any two skills that they're proficient with. And then they get to pick another two when they get to level six. You do have the option, though, at least just rogues do, that is, that if you want to, you can choose to apply one of your expertise to thieves tools instead of a skill, which I want to say makes it one of the only tools that can get expertise anywhere. So the fact that you can get that ability to pick locks 
with expertise is a fantastic ability for rogues. In addition to that, the fact that expertise is available at level one makes rogues a fantastic choice for people who want some multi-classing ability because of the fact that you get all abilities that a character class has with multi-classing. So if you just take one level of rogue, even if you're level 19 something else, then you immediately get two expertise. And the ability to just add that to your skills is fantastic. So a max level character has a proficiency bonus of plus six. So a high level character, even with a one level dip in rogue, would then add an additional plus six to two skills of their choice. Anyway, uh, moving on from expertise, I can ramble on a lot about that. Actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to ramble more about that because this is important. One thing to know about expertise is that there's different ways that it can be utilized. Usually it's used to make the things you're good at great. And it does. Because proficiency scales as you level, it never stops being useful. Expertise is always valuable. However, an underappreciated other way to use your expertise is to give you a solid amount of points in a skill that you're not necessarily great at. So if you have, let's say, a not particularly good wisdom score, you could use expertise in your perception skill, for example, to make up for your bad ability score with that double proficiency. So even if your normal skill would not normally be that good, expertise is a very solid choice to boost your not good skills to make them good. So in summary for expertise, you can use it to make a good skill great or to make a not good skill good, both of which are solid choices. But now I'll finally move on from that. So you also, at first level, you get one of the iconic features of the rogue, which is called sneak attack. So as a rogue gets higher and higher in rogue levels, then the they get to do an extra bonus to their damage. So every odd level, so one, three, five, etc., this number goes up by an additional d6. So it starts off at 1d6 at level one, all the way up to 10d6 at level 19. And this is the bread and butter of a rogue. They do not have a huge number of attacks like some other classes do. What a rogue is amazing at is hitting once and doing all the damage. So even at a very low level, a rogue can do a huge amount of damage. So this sneak attack ability, once per turn, you deal extra damage to one creature you hit with an attack if you have advantage on the attack roll. The attack must use a finesse or a ranged weapon. So finesse is a weapon that can be used with either dexterity or strength. So there's only a handful of them in the game. So daggers, rapier, short sword, I may be forgetting one, but those are the three that tend to come up most often. However, there's a second part that is the part of sneak attack that most people either miss because it's somewhat wordy or just flat out just forget. You don't need 
advantage on the attack roll. If another enemy of the target is within five feet of it, that enemy isn't incapacitated and you don't have disadvantage on your attack roll. So that is a very strangely phrased sentence, unfortunately. So what it means in more normal language is that if you have an ally of yours next to the thing that you're trying to hit, then you don't need advantage. As long as you're able to attack, so not incapacitated, and if you don't have disadvantage. So you either need advantage or just an ally next to the thing you're trying to hit. That's it. And that is a thing that just gets complicated a lot by people thinking that you always need advantage. There are exceptions. Anyway, also you learn a language, for lack of a better word, called Thieves Cant, which is, as they call it, a secret mix of dialect, jargon, and code that allows you to hide messages in seemingly normal conversation. So it's basically the knowledge of code to pass secret messages. And this is actually a thing that is kind of neat, but generally not utilized a lot in games as far as I can see. So you know symbols and codes to be able to pass secret messages. And you'd think that that would come up more in a game. Even if the party doesn't have a rogue, it's very rare, if ever, that a DM will usually point out like, oh yeah, you know, you're walking through the city and you just notice that there's some weird scribbles on the alley. None of you know what they mean, though, but... It looks nice. Like the idea of Thieves Can't just being in the world means that those messages should be everywhere because rogues are one of the most common classes. Rogue by players are rather popular because of that kind of assassin, cool guy image that they have. But even in the world itself, one of the things that is kind of cool about rogues is that they're very often depicted as just, you know, guy from the streets. So any person can pick up the skills of a rogue without needing, you know, fancy training or any kind of book learning. The fact that it is just, you know, that kind of rough and tumble education on the streets appeals to a lot of people. So in world, there's probably going to be a lot of rogues. Uh, Anyway, sorry, that was a distraction, but something to think about. Now. Actually, just heads up, I do normally try to skip through a lot of the abilities more recently. I know that this is actually going to end up being a read-heavy episode because a lot of the rogues, uh, the rogue as a class is very much appreciated, but a lot of the actual abilities a rogue has are underappreciated, oddly enough, in terms of using all of your abilities to the fullest. So I'm going to kind of go back and forth on these rambles like I'm doing now. Anyway, so moving on then. Cunning action at level two. You can take a bonus action each turn in combat to take the dash, disengage, or hide action. So those three things, dash, disengage, or hide, are normally an action. Rogues get to use them as a bonus action in combat. And that phrasing is important. So dash lets you add your movement speed to how far you can move. So double move, for lack of a better phrase. Disengage, no opportunity attacks. Hide, kind of self-explanatory there, I hope. Uh, We will probably talk more about hide in general, just that is a somewhat complicated topic that we'll probably give an episode two of its own at some point. 
But anyway, so the point being, a rogue constantly has a very useful use of their bonus action. So they can get a much greater movement in combat. They can make sure no opportunity attack, or they can hide to try to get that potential advantage for their own sneak attack. So there is a lot of inter-ability use between the rogue abilities. So so many of them cooperate with each other. Anyway, at third level, rogues get to choose their rogue archetype. And as usual, we'll get back to that once we go through all of the normal uh, general rogue abilities. Ability score improvement. Usually I just skip past it, but there is something here that is important to mention. Most classes get ability score improvement five times at 4, 8, 12, 16, and 19. Rogues get a bonus at level 8, or sorry, at level 10 as well. Excuse me. So that means that besides the fighter, rogues have the second highest amount of ability score improvements, which means that they have the opportunity to either boost their ability scores that much more or to potentially get an additional feat if that is an optional rule that you go with. Level 5, Uncanny Dodge. When an attacker that you can see hits you with an attack, you can use your reaction to have the damage against you. That is fantastic. Normally, a lot of classes don't get to consistently use their reaction. There are generally just opportunity attacks that use a reaction unless the class does give you another use for it. So this is a very, very good thing, given that as a rogue, you're squishy. You don't have the most health so if you choose to be a melee rogue, then you're going to have a number of attacks against you. So the ability to have the damage of one attack every round is not to be underestimated. All right, in level six, I briefly mentioned earlier, you get an additional two choices of expertise. Level seven, evasion. Arguably one of the most powerful class features in the game. So level 7, you get evasion. When you're subjected to an effect that lets you make a dexterity saving throw to take half damage, you instead take no damage if you succeed on the throw, and only half if you fail. And there is a lot of very important particulars to this ability. So it is not just an attack to make a dex save. It just says subject to an effect. So that would mean any trap that allows you to make a dexterity saving throw, any spell that is a dexterity saving throw, like fireball. There are so many things that are a dexterity save. And the fact that this makes it so that no damage on a success and half, even if you still fail, makes a rogue far more resilient than they otherwise are. Now, level 11. This ability, Reliable Talent, is, I would also argue, is one of the most powerful in the game and one of the most underappreciated because this ability is flat out ridiculous in how good it is. Whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus, you can treat a d20 roll of 9 or lower as a 10. So any skill that you're trained in for all intents and purposes you cannot roll less than 10. And that, in combination with expertise, is incredible. 
So let's say you are the sneaky type of rogue with uh, 16 dexterity and level 11. So that would mean then that let's say, so what would that come out to? A three, uh, level 11, I don't remember, is proficiency a plus three or four at that point? I should know this. It's a four. Okay, so that would mean that a stealth with expertise, 16 dexterity rogue, would have a plus 11 to their stealth. So that would mean even if they roll a one on the die, they would automatically have a 21. So at level 11, a that rogue with expertise in stealth cannot get less than a 21 on their stealth check. That is incredible. And even with a skill that's not all of the bonuses, even if, let's say, you've got some training in charisma, but you have no expertise, but you have the training and a zero in your bonus. So with your just regular proficiency at that level, that would be a plus four. That would still mean with no expertise, you could not have lower than a 14 persuasion check. So any check that you have training in or any ability that you have training in, you automatically get at least a 10 on your roll. I keep saying that, but that is incredible. Anyway, moving on from that one, though. 14, blind sense. If you're able to hear, you're aware of the location of any hidden or invisible creature within 10 feet of you. Very useful potential ability. 15, slippery mind. You gain proficiency in wisdom, saving throws. Neat. Elusive, level 18. This is another pretty useful one. You are so evasive that attackers rarely get the upper hand against you. No attack roll has advantage against you while you aren't incapacitated. So as long as your character doesn't get stunned or something similar, you cannot have advantage against you. So even if you're surrounded by wolves with their pack tactics, or if you allow the flanking rules to grant advantage, no advantage against you is massively helpful. And finally, their capstone stroke of luck at 20th level. If your attack misses a target within range, you can turn the miss into a hit. Alternatively, if you fail an ability check, you can treat the d20 roll as a 20. Once you use it, you need to take a shorter long rest before you can again. That is a really cool ability. <laughs> So the fact that you can automatically turn a miss into a hit and then deal your additional 10d6 sneak attack damage, fantastic. But even that ability check side, an automatic 20. So anytime a level 20 rogue has the need for a particular ability to succeed, you can get an automatic 20 on your roll. So an a stealth check that's particularly important, a perception check that's particularly important, a persuasion check that's particularly important. Once per short rest, an automatic 20 is amazing. I, I definitely have some bias in this, but I think I would argue that rogues might have some of the most consistently useful class abilities. There is almost no ability that just the plain old rogue has that isn't pretty damn useful, if not fantastic. So that's the general abilities. Now let's move on to all of those archetypes. So for Rogue, we have 
the arcane trickster, the assassin, inquisitive, mastermind, scout, swashbuckler, and thief. So starting at the top with the arcane trickster. This is one that I actually both like mechanically as well as the theme of it. It's a little bit complicated because what this does is turn Rogue into a... I've mentioned that there are half-casters before, like the Paladin. For better and for worse, what this does is allow a Rogue to be a one-third spellcaster. So in addition to all the normal abilities, you gain spellcasting if you pick this at level 3. But even so, it's actually pretty cool in the abilities that it grants. So you get to pick some cantrips from the wizard list and get Mage Hand. But where this differs from a lot of other, well, from all other spellcasters, really, is that your Mage Hand can turn invisible. So normally, it's pretty obvious that there's a Mage Hand, but an Arcane Trickster can turn it invisible. And at level three, when you pick this subclass, you gain extra things that you can do with Mage Hand. So it specifically says you can stow an object the hand is holding in a container worn or carried by another creature. So you can use this to plant evidence for all intents and purposes. And you can also use it to use thieves tools to pick locks and disarm traps at range. So the fact that you gain these extra uses of Mage Hand is fantastic. However, there's a little line at the bottom that is another of those things that can be quite easily overlooked, which is, in addition, you can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to control the hand. So normally, Mage Hand is an ability that takes an action to control, but Arcane Trickster Rogues, and only Arcane Trickster Rogues, can use their bonus action to control this mage hand, which gives them the action economy to try to, you know, lock a door if they're in a chase scenario to stop someone from following them and still use their action to potentially attack. So having that action economy of a bonus action to control this is fantastic. Anyway, moving on. At ninth level, arcane tricksters get magical ambush. If you're hidden from a creature when, a, when you cast a spell on it, the creature has disadvantage on any saving throw it makes against the spell this turn. Actually, sorry, one thing I realized I skipped over. The actual spell casting that the Arcane Trickster gets is from the wizard spell list. So that is particularly important because wizards have the largest spell list. So most spells the Arcane Trickster has access to. The downside being a arcane trickster rogue will never have a higher than fourth level spells. On the bright side, though, a I use fireball as the example a lot, but that just is a classic spell because it's really good. And once an arcane trickster gets up to level 13, they have access to third level spells, which means an arcane trickster rogue in the right situation can launch a fireball with every single one that they launch it at having disadvantage on the saving throw if they're hidden beforehand. So there are a lot of potent abilities that the Arcane Trickster gets in their arsenal by adding magic. Anyway, uh, actually, a uh, 13th level ability, though. Versatile Trickster. You gain the ability to distract targets with your Mage Hand. 
As a bonus action, designate a creature within five feet of the hand and get advantage on attack rolls against that creature until the end of the turn. So again, that is fantastic. Bonus action to automatically grant yourself advantage. And the ability to use that consistently, because Mage Hand is a cantrip, not actually expending resources. Well, yeah, good. And finally, uh, level 17, Spell Thief. This one is a bit wordy. Immediately after a creature casts a spell that targets you or includes you in its area of effect, you can use your reaction to force the creature to make a saving throw with its spellcasting ability. Uh, DC is your spell save DC. On a failed save, you negate the spell's effect against you, and you steal the knowledge of the spell if it's at least first level and of a level you can cast it. It doesn't need to be a wizard spell. For the next eight hours, you know the spell and can cast it using your spell slots. The creature can't cast that spell until the eight hours have passed. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So the ability to negate an opponent's spell or the ability, well, and the ability, rather, to gain that ability yourself is amazing. And there is a cheat, sort of, that comes to mind with this that can potentially be useful. Let's say you have a cleric in the party who casts, who has multiple healing spells in their arsenal. You can arrange to just steal the knowledge with their permission in the right situation. They cast, let's say, Cure Wounds on you. You negate the casting, steal the knowledge on how to cast Cure Wounds from them, and then you can be an off healer for the next eight hours. So if you have a healer in the party that has more than one healing spell available, so that way they can still do their primary job, that could be very powerful in addition to the normal effect of it of just negating an enemy spell against you. So like I said, the Arcane Trickster has a lot of versatility in how its abilities can be used. So next up, that finishes the Trickster and brings us to the Assassin. So this is another of the very common archetypes played because this one is definitely a lot simpler to play than the Trickster because magic is hard. But the Assassin's abilities are very, very strong. So first off, just when you pick it third level, you just gain proficiency with Disguise Kit and Poison Kit. Useful. But also at third level, you gain the ability Assassinate. <sighs> to be honest, I have kind of mixed feelings about this one now just because this damn near killed Morris a couple of episodes ago. Uh, the class, the fight with the Assassins that damn near killed me in one hit was because of this third level ability. You have advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't had a turn in the combat yet. In addition, any hit you score against a creature that is surprised is a critical hit. So advantage, as long as you get to go before someone else. And considering that, again, rogues are a dexterity-based class, which means, in theory, they will have a better initiative score they just have to hopefully roll well but the fact that any hit they score that against a surprise creature is an automatic crit that is amazing so when a creature scores a critical hit 
all damage dice end up getting rolled twice. And that we talked about a little bit back in Paladins with their Divine Smite. And for the same reason that rogues also get a massive boost from that. So not only does the weapon damage get rolled again, so does the sneak attack. And I mentioned just a minute ago that the assassin is also proficient with the poisoner's kit. So if you do have poison on your weapon, you would also have that dice double. So considering, you know, that... So using that max level, level 20 assassin rogue for this one, automatic crit, which means their weapon would do, you know, additional damage dice. But that 10d6 would become 20d6. And that's not including any poison. So high-level rogues are horrifically dangerous. Not to mention if they have something like uh, Sentinel Shield to give them, or a Weapon of Warning, rather, to give them advantage on initiative, if they have the alert feat to get that plus five bonus, if they have any kind of build to boost their initiative, an assassin is horrifically dangerous, which also is a massive advantage if you're playing one, because successfully dropping an enemy in one hit is so very satisfying. Anyway, moving on. Infiltration expertise. At ninth level, you can unfailingly create false identities for yourself. Uh, Take some time and money, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, you make disguises. Useful, fun, potentially quite versatile, but very wordy ability, so I'm just kind of Kind of skip over it, but you get the gist of it. You make false identities well, and that can be useful. And then that's boosted by the 13th level ability, Imposter. You gain the ability to unerringly mimic another person's speech, writing, and behavior. You must spend at least three hours studying these three components of the person's behavior, listening to speech, examining handwriting, and observing mannerisms. Your ruse is indiscernible to the casual observer. If a wary creature suspects something is amiss, you have advantage on any deception check you make to avoid detection. So an assassin is so very easily able to just mimic a person with a disguise potentially to make it even better. And then as long as you surprise them, score an automatic crit once the time to assassinate comes. And that is even farther improved by their last ability, Death Strike. At level 17, you become a master of instant death. When you attack and hit a creature that is surprised, it must make a constitution throw with your regular DC. On a failed save, double the damage of your attack against the creature. So with that third level ability, automatic crit with the 17th level ability double that so considering again that highest level once they're full at level or full rogue at level 20 so that would be 10 d6 becoming 20 d6 and then doubled so instant master of instant master of instant death is very much an appropriate phrase a high level assassin is dangerous So now we'll move on to the Inquisitive. This is actually somewhat interesting, and I would argue one of the somewhat underappreciated subclasses. It is not nearly as 
combat focused as the assassin is for just pure damage output. However, an inquisitive is a really cool archetype in terms of the lore around it, as well as the kind of fun abilities that it gives you access to. So an inquisitive is pretty much a detective. So all of the abilities that it gives you are about information gathering, and it's really good at that. So at third level, you get a couple of abilities with this one. So first off, Ear for Deceit. When you make an insight check to determine whether a creature is lying, treat a 7 or lower on the d20 as an 8. So this is a weaker version of the 11th level talent that all rogues get, but this is insight specific at third level, which actually makes Inquisitive a very useful subclass for the sake of multiclassing. So if someone is willing to take three levels of rogue as well as whatever they are otherwise, then they would get a 2d6 sneak attack, the expertise, and all of these other abilities that are very useful for characters in general. Anyway, uh, also at third level, though, they also so they get ear for deceit as well as eye for detail. So also at third level, you can use a bonus action to make perception check to spot a hidden creature or object or make an investigation check to uncover or decipher clues. So normally a skill check requires an action, but an inquisitive is able to make perception or investigation checks as a bonus action. And again, action economy, anything that leaves your action available for other things is good. Now you get a third, third level ability, insightful fighting. As a bonus action, you can make an insight check opposed by their deception check. If you succeed, you can use your sneak attack against the target, even if you don't have advantage, as long as you don't also have disadvantage. The benefit lasts for a minute or until you use this feature successfully against a different target. So normally you need advantage or an ally. This gives inquisitives an option to fight alone, but still get access to their sneak attack. So as a bonus action, all they need to do is beat their check with an insight check of their own, which again, that other feature gives a bonus to that ear for deceit or wait, no, that's only if they're lying. Hmm, that's actually interesting. How would I rule that? So unfortunately, ear for deceit does specify when you make it if to see if they're lying. So it probably still wouldn't apply. That's unfortunate. But anyway, point being, insight check just needs to do well. And with your expertise, if you put that in insight, your odds are fantastic. And then you can use your sneak attack every turn, considering that you only need to do this once per minute. So timing in 5th edition D&D, one minute is 10 rounds of combat. So, and you only need to do this once per 10 rounds. You probably need to do it more often just because you're killing whatever you target on the first try. Anyway, Steady Eye, ninth level. You have advantage on any perception or investigation check if you move no more than half your speed on the same turn. So that is a very easy way to have constant advantage on perception checks. So if you have an inquisitive as, you know, keeping watch during the night, well, they're standing still. So if you use your expertise on perception, 
then your party is much safer under an Inquisitive's watch. 13th level, Unerring Eye. As an action, you sense the presence of illusions, shape changers not in their original form, and other magic designed to deceive the senses within 30 feet of you, as long as you aren't blind or deafened. You sense that an effect is attempting to trick you, but gain no insight into what is hidden or into its true nature. You can use this ability a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So potentially useful. That one is a somewhat complicated ability in that it doesn't tell you anything. It just tells you if one of those effects is present. So potentially useful, but that one's probably not the best ability of theirs. But finally, Eye for Weakness. Level 17, while your insightful fighting feature applies to a creature, your sneak attack damage against that creature increases by 3d6. That is fantastic. So considering that, you're probably going to use that ability to use your sneak attack more often. The fact that it boosts your sneak attack damage, well, more damage is always good. So yay, inquisitive. Next up, the mastermind. So this is the one that the skinny type. So if you want to have a rogue who is more the plotting type. So if you want to have someone who's like the leader of a thieves guild, then they can very much be the mastermind style of rogue. So first off, master of intrigue at level three, you gain proficiency with disguise kit, forgery kit, gaming set, and two languages. And you can unerringly mimic speech patterns and accent of a creature you can hear speak for at least a minute, allowing you to pass yourself off as a native speaker of a particular land, provided that you know the language. Useful. Master of Tactics. Starting at third level, you can use help as a bonus action. Also, when you use help to aid an ally, that target can be within 30 feet of you, rather than 5 feet, if the target can see and hear you. Some of you may remember, back from when we were talking about our D&D 101 series, the issues that I have with the help action, in that that allows you to use your action to automatically give advantage on anything. This makes it that much better. So instead of using an action to grant advantage to an ally, this lets you do it as a bonus action. And instead of having to be next to the ally, they can be within 30 feet. But my problem with that ability is that it's too easy to grant advantage to allies, and this just makes it that much more. So that is very much not my favorite, but I cannot deny that I dislike it because it's fantastic. So that is definitely just a biased opinion of mine, but it's really, really powerful. Anyway, Insightful Manipulator. This is a horribly dangerous ability in the right hands. Ninth level, if you spend at least a minute observing or interacting with a creature outside combat, you can learn information about its capabilities compared to your own. DM tells you if the creature is your equal, superior, or inferior in regards to two of the following things of your choice. Intelligence, wisdom, charisma, or class levels, if any. At the DM's option, you might also realize you know a piece of the creature's history or one of its personality traits, if it has any. 
So this is incredible. This is an ability that basically allows you and encourages you to metagame a bit in that it will almost force the DM to tell you information about a creature's stats. Level 13 misdirection. When you're targeted by an attack while a creature within five feet of you is granting you cover against the attack, you can use your reaction to have the attack target that creature instead of you. That is an ability that is very much geared towards less than nice rogues in that it literally is, so, is saying, attack the fighter instead of me as my reaction. <laughs> Soul of Deceit at 17th level. Your thoughts can't be read by telepathy or other means unless you allow it. You can present false thoughts by succeeding on a deception check contested by the mind reader's insight. Additionally, magic that would determine if you're telling the truth indicates you're being truthful if you so choose, and you can't be compelled to tell the truth by magic. I have talked before about how I love Zone of Truth. Unfortunately, this is the counter to it. All right, scout. What it says on the tin, they're good at scouting. <laughs> Level 3, Skirmisher, can move up to half your speed as a reaction when an enemy ends its turn within 5 feet of you without an opportunity attack to let you try to escape more easily. Survivalist, at 3rd level, you also gain proficiency in nature and survival and automatically gain expertise in those two skills. So, <laughs> a scout then can potentially have 6 expertises. Useful. Okay, next up. Superior mobility, your speed increases by 10 feet. Nice. Makes sense for a scout. Ambush Master, 13th level. You gain advantage on initiative. Also, first creature you hit during the first round of combat grants advantage until the start of your next turn. Wow, so all of your allies will gain advantage against the first thing that you hit during the first round. 50. And finally, Sudden Strike at 17. If you take the attack action on your turn, you can make an attack as a bonus action in addition. This attack can benefit from your sneak attack, even if you've already used it this turn. But you can't use your sneak attack against the same target more than once in a turn. But that actually reminds me of something I kind of skipped over that's somewhat important. So sneak attack normally can only be used once per turn. So even if you gain some way to get multiple attacks, you can only use it once per turn. Although one tidbit that a lot of people don't realize, it does not say once per turn most of the time, but once per round. Er, so the fact that a sneak attack is once per turn is important. That means that if a rogue makes an opportunity attack, they get their sneak attack on that as well. So something to keep in mind for all rogues. But this ability to get additional attack as a bonus action every turn, you just have to target someone else to still get your sneak attack, is fantastic. Swashbuckler. So this is the more charming, debonair-style rogue, the kind who, like, slides down the sail with a dagger on a pirate ship. That kind of rogue. <laughs> Fancy footwork, level three. If you make a melee attack against a creature, 
it cannot make opportunity attacks against you for the rest of the turn. So the swashbuckler is really, really good at slipping in and out of combat thanks to that ability, which again helps because squishy. Also at third level, rakish audacity. Uh, also, short tangent. I love the names of abilities for the swashbuckler. They're they're just fun. Rakish audacity. <laughs> anyway, rakish audacity. You gain a bonus to your initiative equal to your charisma modifier. Also, you don't need advantage to use your sneak attack against a creature within five feet of you if no other creatures are within five feet and you don't have disadvantage. So as long as you're solo, one-on-one, you know, having a duel against them, still get your sneak attack damage. That is super nifty. Level 9, Panache. You can make a persuasion check as an action contested by a creature's insight. If you succeed and the creature is hostile, it has disadvantage on attack rolls against targets other than you, and you make and can't make opportunity attacks against targets other than you for one minute or until one of your allies attacks it or hits it with a spell, or until you're more than 60 feet apart. If you use this ability when they're not hostile to you, it's charmed by you for a minute and regards you as a friendly acquaintance until you do something to make them not friendly. That is a very interesting ability for both sides of that. You could use it in combat as a taunt or out of combat to temporarily charm someone. That is a very flexible ability. Level 13, Elegant Maneuver. As a bonus action, you can gain advantage on the next acrobatics or athletics check you make during the same turn. Useful, but not thrilling. And finally, Master Duelist at level 17. If you miss with an attack roll, you can roll it again with advantage. Once you do so, you can't use this feature again till you finish a short or long rest. So not an automatic hit, but still quite useful indeed to get that second try. And finally, the thief. I mean, kind of what it says on the tin there. Third level, fast hands. You can use the bonus action granted by your cunning action to make sleight of hand checks. Use your thieves tools to disarm a trap and open a lock or take the use an object action. So useful, gives you a little more options with your bonus action. Second story work, also at level 3. Climbing no longer costs you extra movement. So normally, you can only move at half speed while climbing, but the uh, thief rogue does not. Just full speed, climb. Useful. Also, when making a running jump, the distance you cover increases by a number of feet equal to your dex mod. So a little better jumping as well. Makes sense. Ninth level, Supreme Sneak advantage on stealth checks if you move no more than half your speed. So, go slow, advantage on stealth. Nice. Level 13, use magic device. This is an interesting ability as well. You've learned enough about magic to improvise the use of items even when they're not intended for you. Ignore all class, race, and level requirements on the use of magic items. So a lot of magic items are only can be attuned to by a wizard or something like that. But a thief rogue who's level 13 can use anything they can get their hands on. And finally, thief's reflexes at 17. You can take two turns during the first round of combat on your normal initiative roll and a second one on your initiative minus 10. You cannot use this fe 
feature when you're surprised. That is awesome. So extra turn, extra actions, good. So those are all of the abilities of a rogue. And I mentioned earlier at the top that there are a lot of preconceptions about the rogue, that they are always the thief or assassin for the most part. And honestly, it's for good reason. They're really good at those things. But I hopefully did also get across that something like the arcane trickster and the inquisitive and, you know, any of them really can very much be used in other ways as well. You can have, let's say, a retired rogue who's just the town locksmith and is just, you know, a charming guy hanging out at the bar. There are so many different ways to use the abilities to be a good person as well. An arcane trickster can very much use their mage hand to help trigger traps that might be dangerous for a person to try to do for themselves. So the sheer level of adaptability that a rogue has should be used to do a little bit more out of the typical archetype. But on the other hand, again, the archetypes are that because they are so damn good as assassins and thieves that if you want to do that too, have at it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rest and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Tier stars low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits, such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.